0: Thank you so much worship team, that was really good and uh, it is so nice to have enough people here that I can hear you singing on the front pew. And uh, by the way, I've said it before and I'll say it again, if you want to experience something, come to the front pew, it's amazing. Uh, It's really good. Uh, Anybody enjoy the hour lost last night? I was complaining to somebody and they started playing a violin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, truth is, it's a first world problem. If that's all we have to worry about, it's not really much. And we'll get the hour back in the fall anyway, right? So it's lost, but it won't be lost forever. And uh, yeah, as the prayer team and I were praying in the gym before the first service, uh, we spent some of our time just listening to God and the word, uh, a couple of different words came up, but one of them came up was anger. and. I was just thinking, and it might be a silly question for a pastor to think, but I was wondering, does the Bible specifically say never to be angry? I think I knew what the answer was, so I did a quick little search. And by the way, the anger is full of the anger. The scripture, I'm tired. The scripture, I lost an hour. The scripture is full of a lot of scriptures, a lot of words that say uh, that anger is not from God, worldly anger isn't from God, Uh, dissension, divisions, uh, fits of rage are not from God. And uh, I, I can tell you that as a parent, I sometimes would have fits of rage at my kids. And uh, back in February, just a month ago, on my birthday, one of my children wrote on Facebook, my dad was always willing to apologize. And the truth is, I am far from perfect and neither of you. And so we, we have these moments where we have these fleshly things come up. I mean, it's tough being a parent Sometimes. You know, it, and let's be honest, it's not easy being in the times we're in, depending what kind of business you're in. These are tough. And it's so easy to have anger rise up. Uh, but let me just tell you, that's not from God. And, and trust you me, sometimes when I'm angry, I can justify it. Well, I deserve. They're wrong. They're, they're out of place. Uh, you know, I remember with the kids, it's like, well, if they hadn't done that, I wouldn't have been angry. And uh, I remember in my apologies often saying, you know what, I had no right to be angry. I had every right to talk to you about not behaving like that. But the anger was misplaced and I apologize, please forgive me. And we would hug and it would be great. I just want to say that that kind of anger, just it just isn't from God. So if you're feeling that kind of anger, or if you've let that root of bitterness get in your heart or... Or you're frustrated, or it might be whatever you're going through. It might be a co-worker. It might be a, a, a person that you're related to or not related to, and you're just mad. It might be the government you're mad at. You might be mad at a news media. I don't know what you're mad at. But just to say to you that the fruit of the Spirit, if you read it, it actually lists the sins of the flesh, which, by the way, mentions anger. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, That's from God. And if you're overwhelmed, I want to tell you this morning the the best thing you can do is pray. And we're going to talk about prayer in a moment because prayer does two things. Prayer changes the world and prayer changes you. Prayer changes the world and prayer changes you. And so often, we're the ones that need the change. We need the presence of God, the fruit of the Spirit. We need His presence. We need to get into the scriptures. And that's, (coughs) excuse me, ooh, I hate how loud coughs are in microphones. Uh, I was reading, I'm going to do it again. (coughs) It didn't even quiet, I amplified it. There's got to be a secret to that. Somebody YouTube that for me. Something useful to actually look up. Uh, My wife often looks at my phone and goes, what are you looking up? I'm looking up how frogs live in South America. She goes, why do you look up that stuff? I don't know. Anyway, so in one of those looking up stuff, I came across, it was a book review by Tim Keller. Now, Tim Keller is an American evangelical preacher, although he doesn't like to call himself evangelical, and I sort of understand why. He did a review of a book by Samuel Perry and Andrew Whitehead, and the book is called Taking America Back for God, Christian Nationalism in the United States. Now... Um, If you have never, I've just recently heard of Christian nationalism, it's uh, some conversations I've actually had with millennials, they seem to be all up on it. And uh, Christian nationalism, especially as you read the review, Timothy Keller describes it a little bit, but way over on this side is the, I call them white supremacist, uh, prejudice, Uh, you have to be born here or you're not part of here, Uh, you know, it's in Canada too, And and then you move kind of into the middle, and there's, uh, which is interesting, as this book was written, they did some research and polling, and they discovered in the middle of this Christian nationalism uh, was a lot of black Americans, and it wasn't that they agreed with that, obviously, they're not white supremacists, but they did agree that you had to be American and you had to be born here, and uh, Canadians can be like that, all the way to kind of those that go, well, I may not agree with all that, but I kind of am okay with it. And, uh, but, but I wanna just point out just one thing in their study that I found utterly fascinating. Now, the reason I found this fascinating was because when I heard about Christian nationalism, I went, and by the way, the, even, or the, the media, and I, I'm always running down the media, so don't get, like there's some good people in the media, just don't know where, no, I didn't mean to say that. Did I say that out loud? The media likes to lump evangelicals. They will say that we are the epicenter to that right-wing nationalism, Christian nationalism, in Canada and the U.S. And, and every time I hear that, I go, I actually don't know that many prejudiced people in the evangelical. Oh, I've met a few. And, and they usually get called out by somebody. Uh, I, I don't know a lot of people that try to mix in Christianity with with, you know, we're, we're gonna have one nation under God kind of thing. I, I haven't ran into a lot of those, so when I read the article, this fascinated me. They found that, so they surveyed a whole bunch of Americans, they found that with evangelicals, the more they prayed and read their Bibles, the less they were like this part of the Christian nationalism. In fact, the more they prayed and read their Bibles, the more they were okay with immigration. (laughs) They were okay with going into other countries and helping them out. They were okay with other countries coming to North America. And I read that and went, ah, see, that's what I've experienced. Again, remember I said prayer helps change the world and change you. Reading the scriptures, you learn the truth, and the truth sets you free, and you pray about it. You get the presence of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And this is incredible, and this is powerful. And today we're gonna look, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Thessalonians chapter three. And Paul's gonna talk to the Thessalonians about praying for, we're gonna kind of focus our prayer just in a few areas today. And the first area we're gonna focus it in is praying for unsaved people. Praying for unsaved people. And I will tell you, like I've often said, probably if you have bemoaned, if you have been angry about, nobody's getting saved anymore. I want you to look in the mirror and say, I've been praying about that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. As for other matters, now he's just talked about the second coming of Christ and all of stuff like that. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, nobody's off the hook here, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread, listen to this, rapidly. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it is with you now. The be honored stuff, so there's two parts to that. The first part is uh, that the gospel spreads rapidly. Second part is basically that we get the favor of man. And if you have felt like the whole world seems to be coming against the evangelical church, maybe we're not praying enough. You may or may not know we're in a spiritual battle. Oh, I've heard a lot of Christians, they'll say well, I just keep my head out of it. I don't share the gospel. Uh, I don't pray much. I don't want to become a target of Satan. Some will actually verbalize that. Most of that will just think that. and They try to keep their head down, walk quietly. Oh, come on. You know that as soon as you prayed to receive Jesus, you became a target. In fact, you might even be a weak target if you're not praying. And you might be going, my whole life is a mess. Pray. My family's struggling. Pray. My neighbors don't want to hear about Jesus. Pray. That's what this text is saying, pray for the gospel to spread rapidly. When was the last time you prayed for anybody to come to Jesus? In Acts chapter four, the church is just beginning, it's just getting going. You know, Acts 1-8 where the Holy Spirit comes and then you have that great uh, message by Peter where, where he's basically telling people they need to be born again. And then we get to chapter four And this always happens, by the way, when you read the book of Acts. They're praying together a lot. And, by the way, I'm so excited. We now have life groups praying. (laughs) We have prayer summits where we have over 200 people coming to that. Um, We have the elders praying once a week. We have a prayer team in the gym now praying. And I'm going, okay, now I think we're going to start changing. The round us is going to start changing and things are going to start happening. So after they prayed, the text in Acts 4.31 says, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Now, whether it was an earthquake or not, we don't know, but there was definitely a physical vibrating or shaking of the Lord that was there. And I've actually been around a couple of times to experience that. And listen to this. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's God working in us, greater is he that is than he that is in the world. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, you might be going, and they spoke in tongues. Well that happens I think four or five times in Acts. But twice in the book of Acts, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. What started it? What started their boldness? Prayer. They were changed. Pray for me, Paul says, that the gospel will spread quickly and and basically favor will fall upon us. The reason I think we see minimum people being okay with Jesus or not becoming Christians is we're not praying for it. When we pray, things happen. When we pray specifically for the lost, we become spirit led and bold. And people will actually like us. People will be more likely to listen, and many will be saved if we pray, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. This lesson really came home to me, and this is a lot of years ago. Now, you know, I grew up in Fort St. John. My family didn't go to church, and some of them go to church now and again. But in the least, some of them would say they're Christ followers now, so that's been good. But I remember I had one family member around my age, and uh, they actually came to Christ at Camp Sagatawa. So they knew all about what it is to pray to receive Jesus into your heart. And uh, you know, in fact, they even met their spouse at the youth group, got married, never went to church again. And this is probably now, so I'm talking 30, 40, oh man, I'm getting old, 42 years ago, 43 years ago was when this person would have come to Christ. And then about 15, 20 years later, I was talking to the individual, and the individual said to me, what's this Christianity thing all about? I remember the time going, I've written you letters, I've told you about Jesus over and over again, why why would you even ask me that? So I, I tried to explain it, and they just couldn't understand. You know what that said to me? Because I read the Bible, I pray. I thought, I have not been praying for them. And so I began in earnest to really, once a day, twice a day, pray for that family member. And I noticed over a month or two, the understanding came back. I mean, we're in a spiritual battle for people's minds. Satan wants to confuse them and tear them down and keep them from understanding who they are in Christ. In this case, somebody had prayed to receive Christ. Or in the least, keep them from coming to Christ at all. And we need to pray. We need to pray that the gospel will expand. We need to pray that people will receive it. We need to pray that people will receive us. That we'll have the favor of man. And not only should we pray for the message but we should pray for the evil one not to hinder or attack us. Paul goes on to say this. Oh, I must have touched the wrong spot on my screen. I'd like to delete that part of my screen if anybody knows where it is. We need to not just pray for people to be saved, but we need to pray for protection from the evil one. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 goes on. And pray, so pray for those things, and pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. It's not very often Paul ever says this. He usually says we war not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. But he explains here in this text that there are people out there that are enemies of the cross. (coughs) Hey, that worked. I coughed and it wasn't so loud. But there are people that are enemies of the cross. And we need to pray that we are delivered from those people. For not everyone has faith, Paul says. I mean, do we have to be reminded of that? But not everybody does have faith. A lot of people are, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow or die, or whoever has the most toys when they die wins, that kind of mentality. Verse three, but the Lord is faithful. Listen to this, and he, in case you were thinking the battle's on your own, you think the devil's going to win, you think that your, your neighbors and your family members, they're completely lost forever. For the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And again, we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. If we could see the heavenlies, oh, somebody this week told me their testimony and they talked about this demon harassing them, and, and then they had this beautiful vision of all these angels standing around, and, and the heavens were open, and there was more angels pouring down, and the demon ran away scared. I wish we could all have that kind of vision. I wish we could all see what's really going on when we pray. There is a battle going on, and it's for you and I, and it's for the gospel, and it's for pushing back the gates of hell, and we need to be praying for it. We're his ambassadors, we, we are called to be reconcilers for God is reconciling men to himself. And we need to go and make disciples of all nations. I can tell you that it hasn't gone well historically for people that have tried to, shh, quiet. People that have made deals with governments, no, we won't proselytize, in other words, we won't share the gospel anymore. Historically, that's just never gone well because Satan has people in this world that follow him and that hate the church and hate the gospel and hate the grace of Jesus and Satan is out there to destroy us. And so he's just like, so start praying. If you're a follower of Christ, pray. And if you're not a follower of Christ, oh my goodness, it's even worse out there I think in some ways. But we need to pray. We need to pray the authority Jesus has given us for our neighbors, for our pastors, for our spouse, for our children, for our grandchildren. We need to pray. There was one time when I tried to hide as a Christian, and I was getting away with it pretty good. I was working at high school in uh, Lloydminster, and uh, I had gone to college for a year, Bible college, and I decided I just wasn't going to tell anybody I was a Christian because I just didn't feel like the conflict. I just wanted them to see me as a human being and not somebody with two heads, you know, how you perceive people, see Christians. And uh, although sometimes, if I could hear what they think of me, I don't wanna hear, anyway. So I was trying to hide my Christianity. So I was riding one day, and I I just wanna say we're in a spiritual battle. I was riding one day with this one young guy that I was working with, a coworker, and he starts telling me, yeah, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I'm going, oh, I think i got a fellow believer here with me. And he goes, yeah, he says, uh, my parents were really strict. I go, well, you know, I just came from Bible college. And he looks at me like I had two heads, and so I knew I shouldn't have said it. And then he starts spewing out the most vilest cursing and swearing I'd ever heard. And I can tell you, I tried to hide, but Satan got me. He outed me. And uh, I tried to hide and over the next three months of working there. I was a summer job uh, I would I had a motorbike then and I'd go out to start my motorbike at the end of the day the spark plugs would be gone Some days I'd go out there the fuel would be drained out of the tank some days I'd go out there the tires would be flat. I don't know. I think it was probably this guy But I think a lot of people had joined with him. They wanted to see if they could make this Christian crack and oh my goodness, I can tell you that anger that I started off talking about, oh, I had to fight that like crazy. I had to say, oh God. Because I just, I, one time I did go storming in. Who did that to my motorbike? And the Holy Spirit came on me and said, settle down, buddy. What's your testimony worth? It's not worth you thinking that you're righteous and can have righteous anger and you can go at them full barrels, blowing at them. And as we are reading through this text and we're understanding it, so we, we kind of get this sense that we need to pray for the gospel. We're in a spiritual battle. We've got to pray for protection. And almost like Paul's reading our minds, listen to what he says next. He, he starts to talk about... Um, it's just not all about us. Like, don't think that. Don't think that this whole battle, you're all on your own, and, and if you don't stand up, if you don't know what you need, you're doomed, you're, and I almost sound like I said that, but listen to this. Verse 3, we have confidence in the Lord. Oh, there's another party in this whole battle. You are doing and will continue to do the things we command. So he has told them to pray, and he's saying, I think you'll do it. And listen to this, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Here, let me give you an illustration of this. I've often heard that the Christian walk is sort of like we're in a horse team. We're pulling this thing called life along and we're tethered up with God. Now, if you know anything about horses, there's always a lead horse and a horse that follows. And if the two horses try to lead, it doesn't go well. I want to give you this image. God, as a horse, and this is no disrespect to God, God is not a horse. But God as a horse, if he were a horse, he'd be a Clydesdale. Strong, powerful, leading. What do you think we'd be in that image? I'm thinking a Shetland pony, maybe a miniature horse. And if we don't get that in our heads when we're understanding spiritual warfare and prayer, but this is the cool thing. That big horse beside us, he's looking at us. He's going, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? I've given you the authority and power. Come on, let's go. Let's do this. We need and we must understand the power in prayer is there because we have this powerful God who is working in you so that you can do and grow. It reminds me of Philippians 1.6. Everybody knows that one, right? Well, not anymore, but back when I first was a Christian, the older people, the older folks, I'm one of them now, they used to always end their letters with P-H-I-L dot one dash dash six. And so one day I finally had to look it up to see what it does. Well, let me tell you what it is. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is our confidence. We have the most powerful being in the entire atoms are held together by God. And, and we've been reconciled. We've been joined with Him, we are in relationship with Him, and He wants us to talk to him, and he, He's given us authority. And we can pray for our neighbors. We can pray for the gospel to go forth. We can pray that we will have the favor of men. We, we can pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And, and don't misunderstand what Paul is saying here. He's not shirking his responsibility to pray for. He's not shirking his responsibility to teach. He's not shirking his or our responsibility to disciple others. But he knows God is the lead in the work he does. God is sovereign, and people will grow by God. As a pastor, that takes so much pressure off me. Ten years ago, I looked at my wife and said, I don't know if my preaching ever even does anything. And my wife looked at me, who's the one that grows them? You're right. We really are a minor thing in it all. But the God of the universe has called on us to be participants in pushing the gospel forward and the gates of hell to be pushed back. We need to be humble. We need to disciple people. But more than anything, we need to remember who's in charge and who's the one that saves them and who's the one that really grows them from the inside out. Who's the one that gives them the fruit of the Spirit? I can teach you about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And you go, oh, I want that so bad. I can't give it to you. But God can if you pray, if you read your Bible. And, and you won't be these patterns of the world kind of thinking people. You're going to start moving over here in your thinking, and you're going to be something different, something transformed, something changed. Why? Because you prayed. Why? Because you read your Bible. Oh, here's a good thing I want to say to you about all this. Never write anybody off. Even the enemies of the cross. You know how many of them have come to Christ because people prayed for them? Little old granny. We need to pray and we need to be ready to give an answer, always. Well, the text that I just read, there was two words at the very end. And the two words were Christ's perseverance. And he wants us to keep going. He wants us to hang in there. He wants us to to not shirk and give up. He, He wants us to know that, yeah, we're in a battle, but he's working in you. And what is Christ's perseverance? Hebrews 12 explains it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses now, as far as we can tell, the theologians say the great cloud of witnesses are those people who have gone before us, they've lived the life, they've prayed, they've pushed the kingdom forward, they've shared the gospel with others, they are actually in the stands now. They're cheering us on. They're looking down at us, fighting this fight, and battling this battle, and he says, let us throw off everything that hinders. This is that really weird tension in scripture. We, we, we have to do this work. We've gotta quit being so lazy. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Oh, sin, it can entangle us. And I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, listen to this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're gonna have communion in a bit. You all hopefully pick that up. And communion is all about fixing your eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith, that inside-out stuff. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy set before him? Well, he knew what was coming, listen. Scorning its shame, he knew he was going to be ridiculed, mocked, crowned of thorns, whipped and beaten, and he sat down at the right hand of God at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, he knew the end story. And the scriptures are telling you and me the end story. Yeah, this life at times can be tough. Yeah, we are in a world where people may and will sin against you. You are in a world that there are demons and there, oh by the way, don't look under every rock because they are there. But there are demons that we need to pray against. We need to pray for protection. And there are people, human beings, that are enemies of the cross also. And the text goes on to say, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So what is this perseverance of Christ? As we take communion, it's about looking at the bread and he gave that up for you. He fought the fight. He's now seated at the right hand of God. Even death couldn't take away his victory. Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty, I know it's hard. I had a guy up on the altar here this morning after the first service. His life has come unraveled. And it's because of Jesus, by the way, it's come unraveled. And he looked at me with tears and said, I wouldn't have it any other way. He said, I got peace on the inside that I've never had before. Our idea of growth What do you think it would be? I I think our idea of growing as a Christian would be easy, we'd be rich, we'd always be happy. But we're in a broken world with an enemy called Satan and his followers, and there's lots of people too. And we have people, as Paul described, that are not people of faith, so even in their confusion, they may do things we don't like. Uh, Unfortunately, honestly, it's hardship and struggle that grows us. God doesn't waste any hardship. Everything you go through can be used to your glory. Well, it can be used to his glory, which is to your glory. We need to pray for protection. We need to pray for protection for ourselves and for each other. We need to pray for our neighbors. We need to understand that Satan is out prowling about. He wants you to start believing in some little lie some little thing that's going to get you off track. I, I don't see most people walking away from the church over, you know, sometimes it's a big thing, you know, a pastor was abusive, sexually abusive or whatever. Most people walk from away from the church because a little lie they believe. I'll give you an example. In my last year, I was there seven years, and in year two, a guy came on the board, a new guy, and I discovered at the first board meeting that he had a reason for coming on the board. He came on the board because he felt I needed some fixing and he needed to have some authority to do it. Most of it was rooted in my style of preaching. I call my style of preaching conversational. And he liked more dictator type or more professor type, like more lecture type and, and more deep theological and big words type of stuff. And, and so every board meeting for one hour, he'd come with a list. This was six years of this. In fact, he increased his time with me to uh, once a week, he would come into my office with his list, another list, and then he would even start phoning me at home with his list. I mean, it just became an incredible obsession. So here's the lie that came in my heart, and this is the kind of thing that gets us away from the church. I had had this lie and this thought in my head, I will never let anybody treat me like that again. That's it, I'm done. And I honestly was in here thinking, oh, good for you standing up for your rights. What rights do I have in Jesus? Now think about that lie as it grows. So as that lie grows, pretty soon uh, my wife, who loves me deeply, comes to me and says, you need a haircut. I will never let anybody treat me like that again. Or the elders in the church, and I have a great bunch of elders, you know, they, they come, let's say Dan Regler comes to me and says, Pastor, you know, you, you should have had that shirt washed, or, you know, did you have to say that quite that way? You could have said it in nicer words, or did you consider, or, or here's one that I actually really appreciate is, did you know you had your verse reference wrong? When people tell me that, I go, oh, thank you. We'll fix that right away. But if I let that little lie grow, I will never let anybody treat me like that again. You know where I'll end up? At a ministry, probably on the street eventually, lose my wife. I mean, if I'm going to become that cocooned and that protective, I'm never going to grow as an individual. Pretty soon, I'm not going to listen to anything God says to me. I honestly, there came a point, oh, I think it was 10 or 15 years ago, that I had to say to God, I renounce that lie. I am not, no, don't get me wrong, I'm not justifying nitpicky people. And I challenge people, love covers a multitude of sins. Your spouse got some idiosyncrasies, but just, you know, don't worry about the little things. Well, there might be some big things that we maybe need to talk to. So I'm not justifying nitpickiness, but I am saying that that was a lie that got in my head and I had to renounce it, I had to walk away from it. Oh, I have a whole bunch more that I'd love to say. I have this great quote in here. I'm just out of time. But I have one more sort of story to close with. No, I'm kidding. I was teased this week, you always say you have one more story and then you go on for another 20 minutes. No, that's not the way they said it. In conclusion, you guys like that part. Pray for Jesus' message to spread rapidly. Pray for me that I can do that, pray for you. (laughs) I'll pray the same prayer and I'll start changing, I'll get some boldness. How many of us would freak out if the ground started shaking right now? I'd freak out. I'd probably go screaming out. Hopefully I'd recognize it was from God. Secondly, pray we will be protected from evil people and demonic attack. We need to pray. We're in battle whether we like it or not. Just get over it and start praying. And thirdly and finally, rest in the confidence that God is your growth and your family's growth figured out. Rest in confidence, Philippians 1.6, that God has your growth and your family's growth figured out. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. As we come to communion, this whole idea of Christ's perseverance, we want to really focus on that now. Even though, Jesus, you knew you were going to the cross and going to be killed, you were going to be tortured. You were tortured. Oh, my, what you went through for me. Even though you'd have that crown of thorns put on your head to mock you because people called you Almighty God and you didn't disagree with them and people mocked you for who you are. You are the righteousness of the Father. You died on that cross taking the punishment of sins that I actually deserve. You have cleansed and purified me, you have made me holy, you have given me that love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kind on the inside because of the cross. Because of that endurance, as we hold that bread in our hand, may we remember what you gave up for us. Because you had the long game, the end game at hand. You knew that you'd be seated at the right hand of God. You knew what eternity meant. And as we take the juice representing the blood that you spilled, oh God, would you please just, as we even see our own reflection in that, may we understand that the blood of Jesus washes us whiter than snow. And that death that you gave at the cross, that power of the resurrection that experienced, that you experienced, oh God, may we grab a hold of that. (laughs) You are not unfamiliar with suffering. May we be able to suffer. May we be able to endure. May we be able to persevere because you, Jesus, showed us the way. May we be able to go on as we pray for protection, as we pray for loss to get saved, and understand that every once in a while, evil actually sometimes gets through, and we need to pray even double hard. And so, God, if somebody is here this morning... And they just need a special dose of you. They need to persevere. They want to give up. They have a lie that they've believed and they need to get rid of that. As they take the elements, as they take the bread and the juice, may may the lie melt away from them. And may they be able to see the truth and with the truth set them free. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.